0: is stealing in as relapse sums up
1: And welcome to episode 383 of the Thinking Poker Podcast from Owings Mills, Maryland. I am Andrew Brokus. I will be joined shortly by Carlos Welch in Las Vegas, Nevada, and by today's guests, Angela Jordison and Jackie Burkhart. If those names sound familiar, well, they're plenty famous in their own right, but they also each have individually been guests on the show before. But now, at Jackie's suggestion, We've got them together on one show. Angela and Jackie are both moms from Oregon. Uh, They both have careers outside of poker. But as you'll hear, they are extremely serious and competitive players. They also have a beautiful friendship, which is a lot of what we'll talk about. Hearing them talk about their friendship and how that intersected with their poker playing, especially at the WSOP, they both made day five of the 2022 main event. It prompted me to reflect a bit on my own poker friendships, especially with Carlos and with Nate Mavis, who used to host this show with me. Uh, So we get into that in the interview as well. This was a really fun and a funny conversation. It was also a long conversation. Uh, We do get into some strategy stuff in the interview, uh, which is already on the long side. So we're just going to go ahead and get right into it. The last thing I do want to tell you is that uh, if you want more strategy from Carlos and me, you can get that five days a week at patreon.com slash Daily, And you can get our books, videos, and premium podcasts at nitcast.net. N-I-T-C-A-S-T dot net. Enjoy the show. Uh, so, I started to say two of my all time favorite guests, but Carlos is also one of my all time favorite guests, even though he's, he's a host now. Um, so, three of my all time favorite guests from the show in one place. This is so exciting. Angela and Jackie, thank you for joining us.
2: Oh, um, yeah. Thanks for having me. That's congratulations. The so warm welcome. I feel like, are we like the Mount Rushmore of the Thinking Poker podcast? Is
1: that interesting? <laughs> no, this is, we're recording on Zoom right now, and I do kind of feel like with Ashley, well, I actually only have had a shot of, you know, uh, Angela's picture is like, I guess, her hiking in a uh, Zion, maybe, you know, in a canyon somewhere. And then, yeah, but, is, you know. Yeah, mine's at
3: the bottom of the Grand Canyon.
1: Grand Canyon, okay. Yeah. Um, I was going to say also, congratulations, both of you on uh, super deep finishes in the main event. That was uh, the next best thing to be there myself.
3: Yeah, that was yeah. my first time. I've played it five times and never made it out of day two. So that was my first time going deep. And it's very exciting. It's definitely different than any other tournament.
2: It was very fun. The only thing that made me happy when I busted was that my best friend was still in. So it made it yeah. so exciting.
3: And by that day, she saved a table at dinner break. And when I showed up at dinner break, she was absolutely trashed. And I had just just lost a hand right before. So I was like super rattled. And I get there and here's Jackie. She's so happy ordering more drinks. She's
2: she's, uh, feeling no pain. (laughs) When you bust the main, you're supposed to get drunk. Even if you're someone who never drinks, that's like the one time you do. Everyone knows that.
3: I feel like it happened very quick. I don't think she was even busted. Like an, she was maybe only busted for like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Taking it aback that she's like
2: so drunk by the time I see her. So, well, I don't drink that much. So it doesn't take that much. I mean, I don't drink. I drink a little bit every day, but it's very rare that I drink enough to get drunk. So it doesn't take that much, basically, is what I'm saying. You know, it's hot. You're drinking. It happens.
1: She was probably just drunk on your success.
2: Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. I was gonna talk like hands with her uh, at first, and then I was I realized real quickly, um, now is not the time.
2: Yeah. So actually, um, what I said was, you know what you need to do? You need to call Paraz right now. And I and I I texted him, I said, Can you call Angela? <laughs> she I'm hired like, it out. I was like, she needs support that I cannot give right now. I'm in no state. <laughs>
1: This was actually kind of the the origin of this podcast. To Nate, who used to host the show with me, uh, he and I both made day five of the main event in 2011, and we were like, we were kind of friends before that. I mean, we would you know see each other like once a year at the WSP and like chat online occasionally or something. But uh, you know, we were having dinner together every night that, that we were playing, and I uh, just that like experience of being deep in the main event together at the same time was uh, was a real like bonding thing. And then uh, he suggested doing the podcast together not too long after that.
2: Oh, Oh. see, big things come from that. Yeah. To go one day deeper every year. And then so, you know, give it like five years and I'll be the champion.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't doubt it, Jackie. I think you'll get there.
1: Yeah. It's as realistic as some of the goals I see people setting for themselves in the main menu. I'm going to finish every level with 100 big blinds or, you know, my, (laughs) my goal is to such and such. Like, I don't. Um, I don't understand whether uh, the the point of making a goal like that like doesn't seem to me like something that's uh, at all within your control.
2: Yeah. Well, exactly. I um bagged less than starting on day one, and then day two somehow bagged even less than that. I da- I, got like <laughs> <laughs> I bagged like fifty four thousand on day one, and I bagged like twenty seven thousand on day two, and so that became my new goal. I was like. I'm going to try a bag a little bit less every day, but somehow still be in. Just like somehow take a super cooler in like the last five hands and then just like squeak in there and then run it up again and then do it again. Uh, Because, hey, you're still, if you're in, you're in, you know?
4: Good point, good point.
3: She had a good attitude through all of it. It's so hard when you like, we all three, three of us were staying together in the same condo all summer. And so it is kind of hard when, we were all bagging every single day.
2: All of us made. Did we all make day five? Yeah, we did. Right. Oh, yes. No, no, Forrest, um, he he made the money, but then he busted like three hours in to day four.
3: OK, so we all made day four together and she was bagging these small stacks. And, you know, that's hard when you're all staying together and you're trying to stay positive and stuff. And she did a great job. Her mindset was great. And I think that really helped her get all the way to day five when you're bagging 27K on day two.
2: No, it felt like a lot of chips because um, after dinner break on day one, I had 7,500 chips. That's that's correct. From 60,000 starting stack, I had (laughs) 7,500. And so I just assumed I was out. And so I was just kind of like, you know, planning the rest of my week and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, well, I'm not going to punt. It's still like 20 bigs. So yeah, I just actually never really felt that short because I knew what short really was.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But we help each other with mindset so much.
1: Yeah, I think that's a real danger. I mean, any tournament, the main event in particular because I mean, there are going to be people with massive stacks. you know, literally people can have 10 times your stack and your stack can be fine. or whether or not it's fine. like you have the stack that you have. but the the temptation to to feel like you're like falling behind or to compare yourself to uh, other people and you know as, as much as possible just trying to like play the stack in front of you. Uh, at least for me, that's like the mindset I try to keep in It's just like I have the stack that I have. and of course, I'm always trying to get more chips, but you know you you can't force that or forcing it is, is really the the best way to lose your stack.
2: Yeah. I got yeah. It. And you have all the time and you know, other tournaments you kind of may have to just take a, a not ideal spot because you may not get a better one, but in that tournament, you really kind of have the time, even with 15, 20 bigs, you kind of have the time to wait for the right spot. And so I didn't have that level of chill in my game like five <laughs> years ago. And, um, I don't know if it's just age or experience or all of the above, but I think a lot of it is like our mindset work and our, our little friend group that like keeps each other chill and cool for the most part. Um, so yeah, I didn't blow up like I would have five years ago. Yeah. Jackie and I
3: used to be punters. Like we, we would go so hard and then try to justify these really high variance lines that we took. <laughs> And we would actually encourage each other. We'd be like, yeah, yeah, you can't fold. You can't. Oh, yeah, you're never folding that. <laughs> and so...
1: But what are you going to do? <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, why is he calling? It's more his fault, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so we kind of got that together. And Faraz has really helped us on the mindset side of the game. But more than anything, Jackie and I show up for each other. So anymore, when... Things are down for one of us. The other one like picks, we pick each other up. We um, break down hands for each other. We hold each other accountable. And I don't know, with, without Jackie, I don't feel like I would have had the success I've had the last year. She's been an integral part of it. Um, basically, you know, telling me when I punt, telling me if I'm playing too nitty or, you know, whatever, but also just all the positive side of our friendship. And it's been... Been a very good gift for me.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's Something very is, true. It's very important to have someone who will tell you the truth. And you have to be close enough with someone to be able to hear the truth. And, you know, sometimes in like a tough moment, like yeah, to have that kind of closeness where it where you can tell them what you really think and what they really need to do. And sometimes it's, it's you know, stop being a little baby stop whining and do this, you know?
3: Yeah. And that happened when Jackie showed up on break with that 7,500 because she had actually ran her stack up early on that 80, day one.
2: I had 80,000 before that. And then I had 7,500. So, you know.
3: And on break, I could feel her energy was, she was trying to be positive, but I could tell she was kind of in a funk, And so I love her be like that for the whole 20 minute break until right before we went back in. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you have to get it together. Like, I can feel your energy is really, really negative. And you are still in, you're here. Like we're here doing what we love. Like a lot of people would love to be in this spot and we're here, let's get it together. Go in there, you're still here. You still have 20 bigs, let's run it up. And, uh, you know, she, she was like, you're right, you're right. You know, I do you're kind right. of feel negative, but we, we do that for each other a lot.
2: It's needed. Thank you. You saved my main.
3: Yeah. it's it, Basically what I'm trying to say is her success is owed to me. Yeah.
2: Thank you very much.
4: <laughs> yeah. You guys have an interesting dynamic where like most people don't have uh, poker buddies who are also moms. So you guys kind of get to be like the moms for each other. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah for, for sure. Was for our friends, whether they like it or not. <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> that's so true sometimes we have to be careful because we can't talk to others the way we talk to each other because we're so brutally honest you know and so someone will tell me a hand and i'll be like what were you thinking why <laughs> <laughs> that, that you know you know you should be jamming there whatever then i I realized, Hey, wait a minute. I'm not talking to Jackie here. This would be a little bit nicer.
1: I was thinking that just as we were navigating our uh, technical difficulties before we got started, the way you're like, Jackie, sign off, try different microphone. I am like, Genius. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I just like to get straight to the heart of the issue. I don't need to be, have my hand held too much.
3: That's so true. But we have traveled so much together too. So we've had so many hands come up and spots that have came up and emotions. And like I said, we did some serious punting there for a while. When they told us, like when we were training and they would say, okay, we should be check raising, you know, this gutter and overs or back doors or whatever. We took that spot every single time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that meant meant every time I had a gutter, I should check raise, right? (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) What's this uh, training? This is something you're doing with for us?
2: We've done a lot of different training. So we we uh, we used to just be in a uh, informal study group with other Northwest players, and then Angela and I both wanted to like learn more about things that we were hearing people talk about. Like you know, in later uh, times, we figured out this is more GTO stuff, but we didn't even like know what we didn't know, kind of thing. And so we each hired coaches and we hired separate coaches kind of on purpose so that we could come back together and compare what they were telling us.
1: Oh, that's a cool like, idea.
2: Um, is this like, are they on the same page? Like, you know, we didn't even know like how to pick a good coach. So we're like, well, we'll take what they tell us and like, see what's the same and like figure those are the right things and do that kind of stuff. And it turned out... um, both of our coaches were telling us pretty similar stuff. So we felt confident we were on the right path, at least. And then got some different training site access, you know, some of the more expensive like MTT courses. And then now more recently, what is it, Angela, like a year, a year and a half with Faraz?
3: Yeah, I'd say about that. During the pandemic is kind of when I started with Faraz and then Jackie started shortly thereafter. I think we both realized. And especially me after I had kind of that blow up after the three in a row, then I was just like min cashing or really not getting there. And I think at some point we both realized that we had to put in so much time off the belt. Like just showing up is not enough, and not for not enough for us. So we had to really put in some time. So we went through this journey where we had to find the training that worked best for us, for our schedules, for our mindset, and for us kind of has given us that, not just the theory uh, part of poker, but also when to deviate. And uh, the mindset part has been really valuable for us. And he is there for us 100%. Like he was on my rail. He was doing all the ICM stuff for me. He just really cares and has became a friend. And we just know we can count on him to give us really good blunt advice, which obviously we like. And he's been great. We're really happy with him.
2: Yeah, this is the first time we've had the same coach. Um, So we've been having some form of coaching for what, Angela, like four years maybe or five years? Oh, probably longer. Um, Yeah. But this is the first time we've had the same coach. So uh, kind of on accident, I guess. But um, I mean, we're both happy. So we'll stay here as long as we're continuing to grow and move in the right direction.
1: We had um, we had kind of England on the show last week, and uh, she said that we should ask you about the ladies' group text.
2: Oh no! That what what happens in the ladies' group text stays in the ladies' group text. It's default. <laughs> fault. Yeah,
3: it goes sideways real quick. Sometimes it's not really, very. Have yeah.
2: we had hand histories in there, Jackie? I was just okay. about to say there's <laughs> very little hand histories. There are some. Um, no. It is the vault. Sorry, guys. But
3: yeah, it could be its own little mini series of uh, inside of poker. It it is. It has a lot to do with poker, but not a lot to do with hands.
5: How did the two of you meet?
2: Uh, Well, I mean, playing, you know, poker in the Northwest for sure, because there's only so many tournament series and we would both show up at those. But I don't remember how we actually started becoming friends oh wait you know I think it was because we kind of knew each other and then we both showed up at the same circuit event and then we both punted like around the same time and ended up (laughs) on the rail together and then we went out and stuff does that sound about right Angela yeah we started training too with one of our friend's
3: dads and so he started to kind of teach us a little bit. I had never really studied poker. I thought studying poker meant you'd like talked with your friends or you read a chapter in a book because when I started, there were no training sites and that kind of thing. That just wasn't a thing. You learned by making mistakes on the felt. So he kind of took us in and was going to show us some mixed game stuff. And Jackie was there, but then we kind of realized real quickly that we really weren't on the same um, path that we really wanted to, to learn, you know, the more GTO type stuff, the solver work and, and he didn't really want to do that. So we kind of went in another direction, but really studying poker, I think brought us together more than anything. And then we really just kind of hit it off, obviously.
5: Yeah. It, Cause it's we're both crazy. <laughs>
3: yeah. We're crazy. We don't care what anyone thinks. Like, you know, you saw our little video that we did. Like we just, we just have fun. We, we don't care. we,
1: it, it's hard love for me the to imagine there are people out there thinking bad things about you. <laughs> we we love the Talk game. Those and ladies. We respect
3: the game. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. We love and respect the game, but we are we make friends in the game, and we have fun, and we take it serious when we can. But we're not the real serious ones at the table. That's for sure.
2: So, no.
4: or in life, yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw a video so of. Um, Jackie's, uh, I don't know which day it was, but one of the main event days um, kind of coincided with your birthday. Yeah. And I saw a video with like the table having like little birthday hats on it. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> funny.
2: Yeah, I didn't do that. That's my friends. But I uh, I love attention, so I didn't mind. <laughs> Yeah, we knew her birthday
3: was coming and so we were brainstorming what we were gonna do. And I'm like, the only thing we can do for her is make sure she gets a lot of attention. <laughs> <laughs> that will be the best birthday gift we can give her. It was <laughs> what what day was it?
4: Um that was, that
2: was day you? two. It was it was my actual birthday. So July 7th, and it was day two of the main day two A B. Yeah.
4: And so they just brought party hats for the table. That That's pretty funny.
2: And like balloons, but they, the floor made me get rid of the balloons immediately because they were blocking the camera. And then everyone at my table wore the little party hats. And then we got a new player to sit down and he didn't want to wear it. And my table started chan- chanting, wear the hat, wear the hat. And then next thing I knew, like six tables deep around us were chanting, wear the hat. <laughs> um, but And he's a notable too. Yeah, but I'm not going to call him out because I really like him. And uh, he's he's his own man, and he didn't want to wear it. So I respect that he stayed true to himself, but he never wore that hat. So I'd
3: literally like drop know. the name.
4: No, <laughs>
3: I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, who doesn't want to wear a party
4: hat? I don't. I would be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and, the more, and the more that, like you said, it spread to other tables, <laughs> like the fire would be growing inside of me. I was like, oh, I'm never ever, I'm never wearing another hat again for the rest of my price. <laughs> <laughs> I would
1: take it way too far.
3: <laughs> Even the dealer was wearing a party hat. Yeah, the
2: dealer was wearing a party hat too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think like that must have bought you some extra fold Like I'd be a little reluctant to bust you in your birthday. If it was like a close spot, I'd be like, okay, it's your birthday. I'll just love. I maybe, I don't know.
2: Um but then some at some point they told me that Jeff Platt was going to do the interview thing with me, you know, that he does the little 30 mm-hmm. second interviews. And I was like, OK. And I was getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And they're like, he's going to come. You know, so I was like, God, I guess I should like stay alive just to get my birthday moment. And that <laughs> might have kept me in. It might have because uh, I did not have very many chips and I lasted. And He only he interviewed me like 30 minutes before bag and I made it. So. I think that was what did it? My, would, my desire for attention.
4: That would be my worst nightmare, because if I were to play this tournament, that might be the only reason I even want to play the tournament is to get interviewed by Jeff and to be short there. I would be. It, it's almost like some like an ICM bubble for me. Like I'll be tank folding and spots waiting on Jeff to come. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, it kind of it, to some degree. I think that was in my mind. I mean. I'm going to play my hands. I'm not going to like be a nitty, but, um, you know, you get a lot of opportunities for some high variance spots. And I probably didn't take a couple because I was like, any minute, any minute. <laughs> he and, kind of slow rolled you too. It took him hours to get to you. It did. Yeah. But hey, he kept me alive. It's I can probably thank him for uh, me staying in because, you know, I passed a couple probably marginal spots because it was, you know, any minute. It was like two hours <laughs> later.
1: <laughs> that was awesome. How was the rest of the series?
3: I mean, I had my best series ever.
1: Congratulations.
3: And so to have a big score early kind of just makes for a great series, right? Yeah. I didn't have to really sweat much at all. Didn't really change my schedule that much. So I knew I was going to have a profitable summer no matter what. So what event was that in? Uh, I finished third in event 18, the 1K freeze out.
1: Nice. So that was like the
3: first, it was the first week. It it was,
2: uh, yeah, like I had only been there probably five or six days.
1: And a huge deal with that too.
2: Yeah, it was, what, it was like 2,800 people or was it more than that? I can't remember. It was pretty big. And it was a two day. And so we really didn't have time to get a, like a rail together because we're known for our epic rails. Like if any of our friend group makes a final table, there's going to be an epic rail. Um, And we didn't really have time. And I was playing the monster stack. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like, you can't plan that too far ahead. It's like, oh, you know, there's 36 left. She's the chip leader. Like, cool. But there's really no, you know, planning a final table at that point. And then her daughter was texting me on the side and was like, I'm going to fly in because she lives in L.A. I'm going to fly in. And like, I want it to be a surprise. How do I do this? Like, when would the final table be and stuff? I'm like, okay, well... I was like calculating what I thought the final table would be based on average stack and um her daughter did fly in I accidentally ruined the surprise but it's okay because it was still a a good thing and uh you know she made the final table and we we got a pretty good uh rail together I think considering that it was so short of notice like it's just it's just like a fifteen minute break you know between uh, I think that uh, helped, helped me
3: a lot though too because with those two day events, I came into day two with a decent stack, but there's still 200 people left. And so you're just kind of in the zone. And then before you know it, you're down to like two tables. And then pretty soon it's you're, you're at the final table. So I didn't have that, that um, day to be prepared for, you know, a very small field, either two tables or less on those three day events where you're going into three day or day three with very few players. I never had to have that, the anxiety or thinking about how I'm going to play these last two tables. I just was going through the motion like a normal tournament. So I really didn't have nerves either. I, I was able to just play and, and had a really, really good time. I feel like I got everything out of the final table. It was my first final table at the series. So I got everything out of it and more. Like I had a great time. I had people I love on the rail. I, um, yeah, I didn't win. But third place was a huge achievement for me. And I I, don't know, I was really happy with with all of it. But it wasn't until two days later where I thought, oh, my gosh, I was like close. I was really <laughs> close. I, I just didn't have time to think of that. I was just like playing my spots, you know, and, uh, you know, trying to, to not make a lot of mistakes. And that was really the first time where I've been in a spot where ICM was so important because I don't play a lot of tournaments where I'm in that spot where the money jumps are so big and I find ICM like so boring to study so I (laughs) haven't put like a ton of time into that so Faraz was there and Max Young um, was on my rail too and they were together kind of helping me through those spots and now I realize how important ICM is and how I do need to put a lot of time into that.
1: I was going to say my experience playing with you, you're not a risk averse person.
3: Right. Right. And at one point, Faraz was like, you have to play so nitty right now. So nitty. And I'm just always, you know, kind of old school. We're like, we just play for the win. And he's like, no, the money jumps, you know, this much. And I'm like, I don't care about the money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I do. I'm here for the money, obviously, but I want to win. So, Maybe I'll take some. Anyway, I listened to him in the end, but I kind of just wanted to play balls to the wall. And sometimes I wonder if I I if I get there again, that's how I will approach it since I came up short. You know, I don't know.
4: I think that that's a big thing that I say often is you kind of need these milestones in your career to allow you to kind of play with reckless abandon next time. So, like, let's say if you were on the bubble of the final table of this event, not only is ICM kind of – the ICM pressure is very heavy there. Also, the pressure of, like, never having made a WSOP final table before, there's some pressure there as well. So, I think it's important to kind of, like, play nitty in those spots just to, you know, to to get it out of the way. So, the next time you're in that spot, you can uh, uh, kind of go for it. So, now that you've gotten this deep before – there will be even less pressure next time. So I think you I I might that. be right there.
3: Yeah. And I've thought a lot about it, like hands, maybe I would have played differently or maybe I should have taken this, um, this flip when I was pretty sure it was a flip, you know, instead of passing on it because ICM was so crazy and, and I knew I could find better spot. I, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think I will approach a final table a little bit differently. Uh, overall, I was pretty happy with the play that I had, but I, I do think that
4: I want the win. Was this final table held on the mothership?
3: It was on the the, the outside one. It kind of looks like the mothership, but it's not. Well, we started in the really, uh, the the final table started at one of the outside tables and then they moved us to a different table, but it didn't have whole cards or anything. Gotcha. I was at the mothership uh, for the first for the time during the main, yeah. right. And I don't like that. I don't want to be on stream tables. I don't want to show my car. I don't. Jackie loves that. Yeah. Me. I was, I kept telling her, oh no, I hope I don't get one of those tables. I do weird stuff. I don't want to hear about it. Like, you know, I just want to to play. And uh, so I kind of steer away from any kind of stream tables, um, even in cash games, when I've been invited to do them before I've just kind of declined. And I don't know if it's, Maybe I can't take the criticism. I don't know. I just, I just lo- love the game. I just want to play. I don't want to have any added pressures. So,
4: Jagger, why, why do why do you like the uh, the stream tables?
2: Oh, I'm just an attention whore. I like my face. <laughs> I like my voice, and I think I'm hilarious. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah.
5: say
2: it, but <laughs> that's the most honest answer. Um, no, but uh Angela said she got everything she wanted out of that final table I did not I wanted I of course you want the win but I wanted her to play heads up I don't know if you guys are aware of this but Angela is a heads up crusher and she hustles heads up matches and I really wanted her to get the opportunity to play heads up and you know see what she could do But third place is pretty close and a lot of people don't have experience playing that shorthanded and she does. But that was the one thing I wanted was to get to watch her play Heads Up with the the money in the middle, you know, and all that stuff or the bracelet or whatever they do.
4: Yeah, I would like to get Heads Up too. Yeah, I'm I'm, kind of interested. Like, tell us the story of this um, Heads Up crushing.
3: So probably for like 15 years. I just hustle heads up cash games. Like if they come in, people would come in to the card room and say they want to play heads up. Like sometimes we've had people call in and say, is anyone there that wants to play heads up for a thousand a match or whatever? And that's me. I I take those matches. And then I've played, had lots of heads up matches at the series, just on the side. I've played in the Starbucks. I've played in um, different rooms where we set up heads up games. and. I'm not playing the, now. don't think that I'm going out searching for heads up matches against like the best in the world. I have my niche market and <laughs> you know, it's like middle-aged men with a lot of money want to play heads up. So I, I take all the games and I have had, I told this on Jen Shahadi's podcast, but the craziest one I had is I was in a five ten game, no limit. This one, I played no limit cash, which I really don't play anymore. And I was pretty new to poker and I kind of went right to 5'10 right away. And I was really wild and crazy. And I had put like a bad beat on somebody. This guy just did not let it go. And so we agreed to play heads up um, for a thousand a hand, but they wouldn't spread it at the at the casino. They would not. We, we tried to pay, get a dealer, they would not spread it. And it was kind of late at night. So we end up going out into the parking lot. And had a car under the lights. And we played on the, the hood of a Toyota Camry. <laughs> and we had a dealer. And we had even the crowd of people watching. And we played four games. The last one was for like 300 He didn't have um, any more money. And it was kind of... Con- <laughs> what a, con- a <laughs> <sick
1: ride. laughs> really
3: saying kind Yeah,
1: of- The last one was for $317.29. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it
3: was pretty contentious at first. He did not like me at all and then I started winning and I mean it was just a really fun environment because of the people that were around everybody was yelling it just became this big match and even sometimes the cards would slide down the hood a little bit like we had to get positioned just right (laughs) to be able to see all this and uh you know so I won that match and it things were pretty awkward between him and I but then later we ended up becoming friends this was in Pendleton too so it's I know a lot of people there, and it was uh, one of the funnest nights, of course, for me. And probably, maybe not so much for him, but <laughs> it was one of those epic nights of Heads Up. Since the pandemic, I haven't had as many. Um, I used to, I played, you know, lots of people at the series, like Gary Bolden. We used to play Heads Up quite a bit, and just lots of different people. Max Young and I played Heads Up online uh, he through you the odds, pandemic. Remember?
2: He gave you odds to take the match, and then... Yeah. You guys ended up in a draw, correct? Yeah, we played 50 games. And then I had a
3: huge lead. I was up like 10 or 12 games with uh, with that many games left. And he came back and tied it. So it was it was pretty crazy. Uh, but we, we played that. And then since then, I really haven't had that many, but I used to get a lot of games. A lot. And I've never studied Heads Up at all. That's why I was hesitant to take the one online because uh, i online is definitely not my uh best format so i was i'm better live when when i can i guess get reads and things like that i just do better live so i was pretty hesitant i was happy with getting this big lead on a player like max but i knew that he was so dangerous and really wasn't too surprised that he came back to tie it up
1: what was, you all were um, one of one of the groups that was playing the, the tag team event and uh, was it donating money? Was it Planned Parenthood or a, just an advocacy organization? Yeah,
2: yeah it, was it was for,
3: go ahead, Jackie.
2: Go well, ahead. You, know, you were more involved in it. I was just wearing a t-shirt, but um Angela and Jen Shahade uh, teamed up Um, As sort of like the, I guess, the flagship team of an abortion rights access fundraiser in the tag team event. But then, um, you know, many other teams joined. So me and Forrest, who's our third roommate in the the crushing condo, the lucky condo, were a team. And there were a bunch of other teams. Uh, We had a lot of people wearing buttons and T-shirts and uh, donating a portion of the profits to... um, I didn't profit in that event. So I don't know where they're <laughs> going to.
3: <laughs> yeah, just reproductive rights. Um, yeah. Advocacy groups. But Jen Shahani, I think, donated quite a bit throughout that. I bust us in the team event. Every time I played a team event, I'm the one that busts the team. So I might be the last pick next time there's a team event. <laughs> because I, I don't know what it is when I just bust teams and team events.
1: I, I was so going to ask about that. Thing. Yeah, because that was my experience. I've played it with um, I've played it with Nate and I've played it with Carlos, and both times I remember having that feeling of like re- really relief if if it was the other. Pro- I don't even remember, which I guess is is for the better. Like I don't remember who who busted it in any of those cases, but um, I, I think there was at least one time I was not the one who <laughs> who busted us out, and just feeling that relief of like, well, you know, I it wasn't me, and like not any, even like I think Nate and I said you know each of us. Was worried the other one was going to be like angry, but also we're each like would have been relieved just that it wasn't us.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It adds a different element. And there was one year where we had the toughest table. Remember, Jackie? Yeah, it was that's crazy. when that was during COVID. I was in the fall because the, the Euro ban was lifted right around the time of the, the tag team. And our table was it was the hardest table we'd played that
2: whole series. That was actually uh, one of the hardest tables I've ever played. And I played in, you know, deep in the PSPC when there was like basically crushers left. And this tag team event in the fall 2021 WSFP was unnaturally difficult because yeah, if, if basically when the when the um flight ban lifted for Europe, uh if they got on a flight right away, they could get there and reg the, the tag team. And a lot of them did. And um it was unnaturally difficult. But you did bust that one, but you busted it with Kings all in pre-flop. Don't feel bad.
3: Yeah, I was waiting for Kings. I wasn't <laughs> waiting for that. till I got Kings. And then, you know, that I could tell a sob story of why we busted.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a respectable bust.
3: Right. Yeah, it was. And I had a witness. I didn't make it up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I remember trying to take advantage of that too, of like you know just running big bluffs in the first level or two when everyone on the team, if you knew it was like you know a recreational team or something, where uh, there there were people who hadn't had a chance to play yet, I just had the thought that people were probably going to be very reluctant to get eliminated before their you know dad or whoever they were playing with, like even have a chance to play. And
4: oh, for sure, that's a definite. His, dream. Dream. That not- his first, his first time ever being at the WSOP, <laughs> <laughs> his dream to even sit at the table. And- damn son bust before he even gets (laughs) (laughs) that's
2: that's an element i mean it's there
3: oh yeah i mean i i don't want to bust the team i mean i always do but i don't want to do that (laughs) so it definitely comes it crosses my mind for sure
1: have you all done any traveling together since the main event
2: no did we go to thunder valley after no no we're going we're going you're talking about the main event that was just like a month ago. No. We're oh, going, yeah, that's right. No, no, no. no. <laughs> we're going to Thunder Valley um, in October. But Angela doesn't know if she can make it because she's some sort of fancy world traveler. And she will be getting back from what? Paris, Spain, something like that, like a few days before. Well, here's the deal. I need write-offs. <laughs> so <laughs> if I can
3: take a trip to Europe and be able to write it off for poker, I'm going to do it. Uh, so I'm going to play Malta. It's not even that big of an event, but it allows me to go and then I can just play cash a cash, at very minimal amount in Paris and in Italy, and then I can write the whole trip off. So that's why I'm doing it uh, because I do need uh, some write-offs for poker this year. So I don't have to give it all to the government.
1: Like a true Pendletonian.
3: Yeah, (laughs) so um, yeah, it'll be my first time there. So it'll be exciting. Yeah, the Malta event's not even a big event, but it's a place I want to go, so.
1: Yeah, I'm not even sure I was aware of Malta's existence prior to it becoming like an online poker hub.
3: Yeah, me either. I had to look it up on a map. It came across Twitter and I was like, oh, that's where I could go. Uh, I I guess I could have done the EPTs, but the buy-ins are pretty big and I'm kind of tight. And I don't know that I'm, I don't know. I I felt like the Malta was a better choice for me.
2: So she's, let's, let me re-clarify. She's tight with her bankroll and then she's wild with her chips, which I think is the right approach. Um, She's not tight. She's just tight with her bankroll. I treat
3: poker like a business. So I've, you know, ran businesses for years And that's how I treat it. It's very important for me to turn profits. If I wasn't turning profits, I wouldn't be in poker. I, I have, even though poker kind of makes you not have respect for money in a lot of ways, like you can just toss thousands of dollars into pots and, and it, you know, it doesn't really bother you. I still run poker like I run any of my businesses. So I didn't. That's why I didn't take a bunch of shots after um, having a big score, having my biggest score. I just wanted it it's important for me to to be profitable. And so I don't need to chase the next big win or anything. I'd try to make selections that are best for me and my skill set.
2: She yeah. had to be coaxed into playing the the 10K PLO8. 10 k plo 8 plo 8 is her very best game. She plays it what three, four days a week for like a decade. Mm-hmm. And it's her very best game. She just had her biggest score of her life. The 10K PLO eight was on her original schedule. She sold for it, but no, I didn't. oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, um, you know your, your, yeah. your deal. You're you're kind of sell for it. And then uh, it's the same day as the ladies. So she's like, I don't know. I should just play with ladies because it's a 1K, and you know, you know, it seems like a better field for me. And she had to be talked into it by like 20 people before she would play it.
3: I don't like spending $10,000 on a tournament. I don't, I don't want to hand over $10,000 on that window. I lose a part of me when I hand that over. I don't, I don't like it. I don't, I don't need to play 10 Ks. Like it's not a priority for me. And that's kind of been a problem my whole career. I never really have moved up in stakes. I'm now playing the biggest I ever have in PLO at five, 10 and 10 and a quarter. And, but I, I was kind of forced to because that's where the games went, not because I was seeking it out. And I don't know. I just like to beat the games I'm in. And I just don't take a lot of shots. I don't know if I'm insecure about it. I don't know. I'm just happy with the level that I play in. Uh, and so I feel that same way with tournaments. I, 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 don't, I don't really like spending $10,000 on a tournament. I just don't.
1: But it is very important. Like, like Jackie was saying, I mean, you, you want to be... Uh conservative or appropriately conservative with your micro, But then once you're there, you need to be capable of, you know, treating the gyps fully as tools and not to say that you wouldn't be, but you know, I think that is a good reason to like not play something that makes your stomach royal if, because you, you don't want to have that stomach roiling feeling while you're playing.
3: Exactly. And I played full time since 2008 and I don't feel like I would have the success in, or, you know, the profits in poker that I have if I was constantly going bust, taking shots. You know, I I don't go bust because I make good decisions on on game selection, I guess.
4: Yeah. Is it more about the amount of money or more about you just want to be in spots where your edge is as uh, big as possible?
3: I like a big edge.
4: Yeah, see, that's what I was thinking because I'm thinking like, you're definitely not tight with money if you're playing thousand dollar heads up matches on a hood in the middle of nowhere it's just because because uh, you know you know that can quickly add up to 10k so it's not about the amount of money it's just that you know you just want to as big an edge as possible to me that makes a lot of sense
3: uh, yeah i I don't like losing I don't I'm really hard on myself when I lose I don't like it so I don't like to put myself in spots where I don't have the edge exactly and so and that's what I do in cash. And what I've done for a long time and it's worked for me. And so I am, I get nervous or like, I I feel maybe that people are better than me or whatever. If I'm in these big buy-ins and it's just completely out of my comfort zone. I make myself do it here. And then I did play the 10K PLOA. I played the main every year. I tell her I'm not playing the main. (laughs) And so, I mean, I've been pushing myself a little bit, but. Baby steps.
1: I sympathize with that a lot, especially when it comes to, to cash. Like, I feel like in tournaments, you don't have as much control over your, your table selection anyway. But I mean, I would ha- I don't want to sacrifice a, a ton of hourly rate, but I mean, I, I would deliberately take a slightly lower hourly rate to just be at a table where I know definitively that I'm the best player. It, it's so much less stress when you don't have people giving you tough decisions. Even if I'm handling the decisions reasonably well, it's still just like you're going to end up in a situation where you do something and then you're not sure it was the right thing to do and then you start questioning that and it just... Um, uh, it's, it's just, it's a less pleasant experience. And then I will give up a, you know, a little bit, a couple of hours an hour to not deal with that and just have like some low stress winning. That sounds good to me.
4: I like that too. Hey, here's the thing. This game has so much pain baked in. Why do you want to add extra on top of it? Like you were talking about the, uh, we talked about, you know, having that milestone of going as deep as you did in the um, big event that you cashed. Um next time you're in that spot, it it, it will buzz, say like, you know, on the final table bubble, it's not gonna hurt as much because you I've been there done that. You know, you've you you've done something to take um some of the pain out of poker. And this this um, you know, being conservative or not even being conservative with your bankroll, but um being um uh, requiring a bigger edge before you get into spots, that's another way of taking the pain out. of No, I guess this is more of a bankroll thing. Uh, th- this this comment is more of a bankroll comment. So like if you're in a spot where you're a little bit unsure about a decision w- and you you make a move and if it doesn't work out, it hurts a lot less when it's a 1K tournament as opposed to a 10K tournament. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I think like, I think it's smart to mitigate some of the pain in poker through bankroll, through table selection, finding spots where you have a bigger edge so you don't even get in those um, spots too often. And then also what we said about, you know, uh, having those milestones where it's not, it's not like, you know, you don't feel like it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like anything you can do to take the pain out of poker is a smart move in my opinion.
3: And that's why I've had a hard time with the main. And I had that problem when Jackie was drunk on that dinner break. (laughs) On day five, I wasn't playing very well. I had an extremely tough table and I just lose a huge pot right before the dinner break. And I have, we're down to three women in the main event. So I have the cameras in my face. CBS, you know, had me in this back room doing this interview. All these things that make me uncomfortable. And the whole time, I'm thinking, if I wasn't in this damn tournament, who <laughs> would have to deal <laughs> with it? And so I get to dinner break, and I, at, I'm at i dealing with Jackie, who's, you know. Yeah, she's, we know. Because she's in her thing. And so I get, like, emotional. I start crying on dinner break. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm this girl. No, I'm just, <laughs> they talk about girls in poker. Look at me. I'm crying on dinner break. and And I'm still in the main, and I still have chips. Like, I'm fine. But all the pressure of such a big spot, I never felt that on that 1K, even though it was for a lot more money. I just felt all this pressure. And I don't, I don't know that I work that well under those conditions. Like the 1K tournaments, I just don't feel any pressure. I'm like, yeah, flip it in, whatever, you know. But the, the pressure of the main is like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. And that's why she had to call Faraz in because I was, she didn't, she didn't sell me, uh, sell me out on the podcast earlier and say I was crying on dinner break, but I was, cause I just, all the pressure of the whole event was so hard to manage. And I guess I kind of avoid that in my everyday poker career, but you can't avoid it once you're in the main.
1: For me, at least there's a, a sleep deprivation piece there too, where oh, I-, no. I I remember feeling in 2019, when when I was uh, deep in the tournament, I I just saw somebody, I I was like, what, day five or six? um, I saw somebody wearing a t-shirt that said, uh, be the person your pets think you are. And I like teared up. I was like, that's so sweet.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, Angela Angela is not someone who cries. I, I think I've seen her cry like, two times. And like one of them was when her, well, I'm not going to bring it up because it was a passing. Um, But you know, this is not the kind of people we are. We don't cry in poker. We don't cry, you know, really in general. So I was like, I'm calling for us because I can't, I can't manage this right now. Um, But you know, I've got to say about myself and this is probably a leak. I find that I have to actually have the sweet spot in the buy-in because I can't, play well in a really, really low buy-in because I find it difficult to care. Like there's an amount of caring that I need where it's, you know, Goldilocks, like it can't be too little and it can't yeah. be too much. Like I, I just have this zone that I do the best in. And so, I am I mean, at least I finally figured that out. But now I find myself actually traveling to places to play tournaments that are in that zone instead of playing easier to access tournaments right around me because they're they're too low for me to play my best like I just I find it very difficult
3: to care I've embarrassed myself in those like low buy-in tournaments before where I hope I never see any of those people at that table ever again in my (laughs) life because I've played like such a douche or whatever just like throwing my chips in playing terrible you know it's my this internal ego or I'm still nice and everything to everybody at the table, but inside, I just know what I'm thinking. And it's, it, it's embarrassing to myself, I just want to get out of there and punt so bad, you know, in a tournament that you actually have an edge in. It's just hard to take them serious.
4: I, I think Jackie hit it um, spot on about, you know, having that that sweet spot because yeah, you don't want to go too low either. Very good point.
2: Well, like when you look at first place, when they finally like publish the prize pool and you look at first place and you're like, don't roll your eyes oddly, Like, you know, like, don't (laughs) like, oh, that's, that's what I'm playing for. If everything goes perfect, I get that. Like that's a really like, you know, cocky, like, you know, mental game leak. Like I understand that it's a leak, but I can't like fix my brain in those moments. So Um, I just try not to play those
4: ones. You you probably mentioned this last time you were on the podcast, but it's been a while. Um, how did did you deal with the pressure of um, going deep in the ladies' event? Because you were really on the feature table, right? On that, um, yeah,
2: we were on the yeah. the actual mothership that year. I didn't feel very much pressure, and I don't really know why. I mean, it was kind of like well, it was definitely the first and only final table I've made at the WSOP, um, but I never really expected to go very deep. So it all just felt like a free roll to me. Like I had very, very few chips um, at the end of day two and just kind of squeaked in there and then doubled early. And so I was never really like hyping it up or like expecting to do very well. I just kind of expected to get like ninth or eighth or something and you know that the money wasn't really exciting for ninth place. And so I just didn't give myself very much pressure. And then I just you know, did as good as I could and no, it was fun. And I had my friends on the rail. I just treated it more as like, well, this is an experience. It's a final table. I'm just going to have as much fun as I can and try not to make mistakes. And the whole thing just felt like a free roll. So yeah, I did. I had fun on that one. I was
3: drunk on her rail there when I was supposed to be. Yeah, we reverse rolled. I think she was paying me back on the main. Yeah, there you go.
2: No, and I was I was drunk on your final table. We were up on that little kind of not stage, but like the stadium seating or like you know the the bleachers kind of area, and uh, I dropped my phone into like the pit, and then I said, "Oh, the full went in the gorilla pit. It's gone." Uh, <laughs> I was drunk. Yes,
1: <laughs> Jackie, I you did some um, commentary with uh, with Carlos. Uh, yeah, uh, that was summer. fun. Was that your first time doing commentary?
2: Yes, that's my first time. I think, I'm pretty sure that's my first time doing commentary. Yeah, I think I would remember.
4: Well, you were also drunk then too, I think. Yes, so. well, I
2: didn't. I didn't start. I didn't start drunk. That was Jesse. Remember, he was pushing it.
4: Yes, Jesse was definitely pushing the cocktails.
2: <laughs> I'm going to sound like a drunk person, and I'm. Uh, yeah,
4: I was just I'm only
2: occasionally a drunk person. I'm a mom, and I work full time. I really. I don't get out much. So when I do, you know, I make the most of it. Yeah, we've that been having a deep stuff. runs. So
3: we've been getting drunk.
5: <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> the drunker we are, that means we're doing pretty well.
2: Right. Yeah. Like if I'm, if I'm buried and stuck and like, you know, having a bad summer, I'm going to be at the tables a lot. I'm going to be married to the tables. Like you have to earn your recreation time. You have to earn your days off. You have to earn your celebrations. So. Um, I don't actually get that wasted all that often in Vegas because a lot of times I'm having to grind it out because I'm stuck.
4: And I, and I will say, wasted is definitely too strong of a word for the uh, commentary we did. You were probably just a, a bit buzzed, and I think it, that made it more fun. Like uh, that was my first time meeting you in person, so I don't necessarily know what your Personality is like you know, on um, sober days. <laughs> oh,
2: I'm am <laughs> a lot I'm a lot sober or or drunk. Um, yeah.
4: Yeah, Glenn, <laughs> I, I I will say it, it was fun and it, and it definitely. Uh, I don't know if it enhanced your your um sense of humor, but you were definitely um pretty funny uh on the broadcast. So uh, yeah, I I, I wouldn't say you were wasted. No, I was just a little buzzed.
2: Jesse was yeah. making me. Of course, I'm a big girl (laughs) who could say no, but I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I had just busted something. And my friend, uh, two of my friends were on the table. We were commentating. So that was fun.
4: Yeah, we got a chance to um, commentate for both Scott Stewart and uh, Forrest. Um, We had a decent amount of trouble saying his last name. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. I want to say not you, but Jesse and I and um, I think, some of the commentators on different days said it wrong several times, and his mom I had to get in there in the um, chat to. Um, I think she explained that it's like the faucet. <laughs> yeah, that was fun uh, watching those guys play.
1: I was also curious, Jackie, if, if I'm remembering this correctly. I think you were um, doing like real early when when the COVID vaccines first came out. You were um, you were giving vaccines. Is that am I remembering yeah. that correctly?
2: Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a dental hygienist, but um, Oregon did a emergency use. um, They changed our scope of practice so that if we took like a four hour online training course and then did a four day hands-on job shadow, then we could be vaccinators. And so my company encouraged that. And because I work for a, a medical dental integration, I work for Kaiser. So they have medical and dental they needed vaccinators and they really couldn't spare the nurses from the hospital. And so they were teaming up uh, dental hygienists with some retired nurses and some CNAs. They had, they brought nurses out of retirement. They would do the same thing and they didn't have to get their full license. They could just do vaccines basically. And so, yeah, I worked a bunch of those vaccine clinics and it was also nice because I got overtime, but I would have done it anyways, but they didn't want to let me out of my regular job because everything was too short-staffed, so it had to be overtime. And then once they allowed the vaccines to go down as low as age five, I stopped doing it because I was really nervous about doing vaccines on little kids and making them cry. I didn't
5: want to (laughs) do that.
2: I did it when it was twelve-year-olds and older, and then I stopped doing it. Plus, the the labor shortage was kind of not as big of a deal by the time it went down to five-year-olds, and I didn't want to inject five-year-olds.
1: I remember feeling a uh, weird like pride on your back. I was like, I know her; she's a hero.
2: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, it was cool that they, you know, we have sharps experience. I, I inject people in the mouth multiple times a day, and so. Um, It's a natural, it's actually much easier to give an injection in the arm than in the mouth. So it makes sense. So I was proud of my state. A lot of states did that actually, allowed dentists or dental hygienists to do vaccines. And um, yeah, I was glad that they gave me the opportunity. And I could feel like I was part of a solution or at least helping in other ways where I just felt kind of helpless. I could do this. So plus, I got overtime, which was just a bonus.
1: Anything else you all wanted to talk about?
2: I don't have anything to plug. I'm not selling anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Me either.
5: I'm just just going to
3: continue to study and hopefully get better and better, huh, Jackie? That's the
2: plan. Yeah, baby steps. I'm going to try to make it one day further in the main event every year. That's a good goal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or just have half as many chips each day as you did the previous. Yeah, day.
2: yeah. I'll just I'll just bag a little bit less every day. Come into day seven with like 0. 0.5 big blinds.
4: Well, you always have birthday luck. That's right, and
2: it's she'll amazing. always have that. Yeah.
4: Mine is like a week after yours. So I will donate my birthday luck to you as well.
2: No, you need to save it up because then you'll be super deep in the main when you...
4: I'm not playing it. So I will give it. I will will donate it to uh, other um, June babies.
3: Carlos, why don't you play the main?
4: Um, For the same reason you cried on the break. (laughs) I think I would probably be... uh, I got, I'm, I'm working on some thoughts <laughs> about the main and um, part of it is just like, it's such a mind fuck. And I'm thinking like, do I really need this in my life? Because <laughs> I, I think I, I kind of feel the same way you do about wanting to have a big edge and also wanting to be careful how I invest my bankroll. And for me, my biggest edge tends to be in the satellites. So I'll play like, I'll play like the megas to the main and then just sell the seats if I win any. And I'm thinking like, man, um, my edge in these is just way higher than they, than it would be in the main. If I play one of these and it doesn't go well at most, I lose like a thousand or 2000. There's so many things that could go wrong and usually will go wrong because like, you know, very few people, um, go deep in this tournament. Um, and then when I think about the things that could go right, that's so, like, unlikely. And even the ones that are kind of, like, I will say, I don't want to say possible, because obviously anything is possible. But, like, I, 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 I'll I put it, like, a ceiling on it. So, like, for me, I think I could probably get, like, top 100 in the main. Like, that wouldn't be, you know, as mind-blowing as, like, final tabling. And that doesn't excite me like it would have five years ago. So right. the theme that is like the ceiling for me isn't that, inci- that exciting, and the things that are pro- probable suck. <laughs> and so yeah. i feel like, I don't, I don't like this fucking tournament, man. I don't know if I ever want to play this tournament.
3: I will tell you that Jackie can back me up on this. I have told her I think I'm the only person in poker that doesn't like like the main it's really slow it's yes. oh, you know it's it's just so many things of pressure and i would tell her every single year i'm never playing that again like i don't like it it's not meant for me i'd rather play a one day turbo than this 10 day tournament i i don't like the pressure i just don't like it and now after running deep i haven't really changed that philosophy i think the only time i'll play the main is when I'm profitable going into the main. If I'm down for the summer, I will skip it. It's it's not a must play for me like it is so many people like it is for so many people. And also, people always tell me how soft it is. And by the time you get to day four <laughs> and five, I didn't find it that soft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and when with the added pressure and the lack of sleep and everything, it it is very exciting, but. It's not, it's not a must play for me. For Jackie, she loves it. It's, yeah. it's her tournament. If she could play any tournament throughout the year, it'd probably be only the main. And yeah, I, and I'm more like you, Carlos, That you know, I'd rather play a lot of other things.
2: The main and the monster stack are my favorites, but the main, you know, Andrew really hit the nail on the head. There's something that it's just hard to describe unless you've been there, but the sleep deprivation is a real, real thing. And it's, it's, I think it's a huge part of what you have to manage. So for anyone listening who maybe goes deep later, don't discount this part of the game because by the time you bag and then you know meet up with your friends and then get back to your hotel or wherever you're going, you can't fall asleep. You just can't. You can't fall right asleep. It's very difficult. Um, you have to find a way to make yourself fall right asleep because even then, if you fell right asleep, you've only got like a 10 hour turnaround and you're going to want to get up And, you know, eat and do something and then, you know, not be late. And so it's you have sleep deprivation is very real. Like I was finding it hard because I've made day five twice now and I have found it very difficult to get more than like five hours sleep because I just can't turn my brain off. And you need that sleep because if things go well, you're going to be playing, you know, 11 hours like it's it's a real thing. It's, it's a
4: miracle. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I've been grappling with this conversation with myself because I know how so many people love this tournament and I don't want to be like the guy that ruins it for people. So like, if you're listening, I-, I will say this. If you've never played it, you should. I will say everybody should at least play this once, but. If you've played it multiple times and that like, oh, this is the first time I've played the main, like new card shine is not on it for you anymore. If you're not someone who feels like you have a an above average shot at winning it, it's probably not going to be good for you in the long <laughs> uh, run. Here, here's the difference for me. The, the, this, this explains perfectly how I feel about the main event. I played in 2015 for the first time. And when I cashed it, I cashed for $15,000. If I were to play it today and cash it for the same amount, it wouldn't be $15,000. It would be 1.5 buy-ins. Right. That's the difference to me. Right. (laughs) And and so, like, early on in your career, if you can get a shot at playing this tournament, you should. But it's like anything else. It's a shot. It shouldn't become, like, a part of your ah, I don't even know how to put this like your your poker repertoire unless you're used to just like you know playing 10Ks and uh because there are few people who play this tournament a role for it. Very few people who play this tournament have a realistic shot at winning it. Uh, I think everyone should play I'm it. in that group.
2: Everyone should play it every year and they should cash out their 401ks to do it.
5: <laughs> i'm kidding
2: uh i'm kidding but yeah it's that's uh, what jackie would do i wouldn't cash out my 401k <laughs> but I just sell i just sell for it i sell to an amount that i'm comfortable and that's how much i sell and then i play it every year and i continue i will plan to continue to do that even if it's the only one i can afford that's that's what i'll do But no, that's not my sweet spot. My sweet spot is these 1500s. That's what I like.
4: Yeah, that's what
1: I would say. I would say... Now
3: you, Andrew? How do you feel about the mate?
1: I feel attacked. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I am one of those people where like, I think at this point... um, I mean, I, I've I've seen the like ICM math, and I'm I'm pretty convinced that like I late register pretty much every tournament that I play now. Carlos and I have, have talked about this. I'm still pretty reluctant to like late register the, the like I know this year you could buy in on, on day two, and there is a part of me that like twitches at that. Um, I, I do enjoy playing it in a way that I don't enjoy playing other tournaments and I do think I mean some of it is uh you know I have had well above average luck in in that event so I think I have very very positive associations with it but I do think there's like a special energy around it even if it's not my first time playing um I just think the the general vibe in in the room and the emotions from the other people who are there the whole thing has uh, a, a feeling that I consider pretty special but I do think the um the sleep deprivation that like I think that's a pretty strong argument for skipping day one just like playing one fewer day than if you can buy it on day two and even if you think you have a, a pretty big edge on, on day one like the edge of having some extra sleep on day five is also pretty enormous
2: yeah it's a real deal
3: And for people that work like Jackie, she's like, I'm just going to come into day two from now on.
2: Yeah, because it shaves shaves a week off if you do it right. And for me, you know, it's not so much about missing a, a week of wages, which, but that's also wages I could earn. But, you know, you only get so much vacation time if you work for a company. And that's me. I run out of vacation time. I have to pick my events very carefully. And so to be able to save a week, I do think I am probably going to be a day two person from now on, even though I love the energy on day one and I love the main and I'm like you, Andrew, it kind of, it makes me twitch a little bit to think about skipping day one, but. Being that I have to budget my vacation hours, it makes a lot of sense. So I'm probably going to start being a day two person, especially because I've played it four times now and I've bagged less than starting twice, <laughs> and and I and I've only bagged a little bit more than starting. You know, I've never bagged a huge stack on day one, so uh, I think I'm going to be a day two person moving forward.
1: There's another bit of Carlos wisdom that I, I thought it was going to come up a few times when he was talking, but I'll, I'll just say it myself, even though, a bit, let's make sure we credit Carlos for this. Um, but I remember him saying to me, just like, I like making final tables, <laughs> you know, like and that wasn't even specifically in the context of the main event, it's just playing like large field tournaments in general. And and this concept of happiness, EV, uh, Carlos is just like, I, I enjoy making final tables and, you know, you could truly be the best player. Um, many of the best players in the world are never gonna final table the main event. Um and I I understand that general uh I mean I do think that's part of the excitement of the main event is the like gamble element of it of like it does feel special to be deep in that because you know how many times in my life am I going to be making decisions for hundreds of thousands of dollars? Um and that's like the closest I mean in general gambling has virtually no appeal for me. Like Throwing dice at the craps table or whatever, but I do understand the like why it's exciting to um, you know be playing for these these enormous stakes. Like I feel that in the main event in a way that I don't when I'm even if I'm playing like a high stakes cash game or something. It's it's still a different. I mean I've never played for stakes like that in cash, but
4: yeah, I'll, I'll upgrade that. I'll update that comment because um, this was years ago when I made that. Uh, not not just final tables, but bubbles as the big stack. So like. Playing a tournament from level one is not exciting to me. Playing a bubble as a medium stack or a small stack folding my way into the money is not exciting to me. And like getting into the money and then like, you know, all the, all the space between cashing and the final table, none of that's exciting to me. The only thing that I enjoy about tournament poker is being the big stack on the bubble and playing final tables. And neither of those those things are likely in the main event. So I'm thinking like, I'm just, I'm signing up for a tournament. I also don't like live poker. That's the other thing. So I'm signing up. I'm on my own line, So So I'm signing up for what I would view. This is a joke we say often on the podcast is um, tournament poker is like um, going to work at the misery factory. And so we're just, Take it this tournament takes everything that's tournament program is already kind of miserable anyway. And then on top of that, we're gonna like add all this pressure. We're gonna add like stakes that you really shouldn't be playing for, really. Oh, and then you have to play against the best players in the world at the end. And there's these lights, and everybody's gonna see your cars and all this stuff where I feel that pressure to, you know, as a kindred spirit with Angela but I also am kind of an attention whore. So I also feel where Jackie's coming from. <laughs> that. But uh-huh. it's like, I don't want to deal with all that extra stuff unless I'm in one of those two sweet spots, either big stack on the bubble or at the final table. And I could probably play this thing a hundred more times and be very unlikely to do either of those two things.
2: Fair. Well, that's fair. You're, you're echoing um, me and Angela. We both have said, the only reason that we really even play tournaments at all, because we both recognize cash is just a more profitable space to be in. But we both play tournaments to be the big stack on the bubble. That's really yes. all I'm interested
4: in. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and, and I can do that a lot easier in like a hundred player tournament that was like five hundred to a thousand dollars. than I can do it in a main or even better. Well, I guess the satellites are different because in, in those, I'm not interested in being the big stack on the bubble. I'm interested in like, you know, cashing with one entity. But as far as like getting down to the end where the big money is, is a lot easier to do in a satellite. In fact, you don't even have to, <laughs> you don't even have to win all the chips at the final table to get first place money. So like that kind of is like a shortcut for me to the part that I'm actually interested in. Not only that, I'm generally going to be one of the better players in the field, if not the best in those, that's never going to be the case in the main. But yeah, like I will say, I don't know how Angela feels about this, but I can tell that Jackie enjoys just being there in the, in the main. So like the, uh, all the like festivities around and like, you know, helmet walking through with his fucking pajamas on or whatever he's going to do this <laughs> year. Like, you, it sounds like Jackie enjoys being in that environment. I don't enjoy being there for that kind of stuff. So right. if you put, you put me in that environment with that short stat that Jackie had on day one, I would just be miserable the entire time. But I think for this event and probably a lot of other events, you have to have, you have to enjoy something about it uh, besides just the poker Because the poker you really can't control You can't control if you're going to get short or not So if that happens And it's going to make you miserable And nothing else is going to relieve that misery uh, You probably shouldn't play it But if you enjoy the environment And you can deal with it And like, you know, you can uh, You got something else that you can look forward to Besides just running up a big stack on the bubble Then that then that tournament might be for you But for me, I'm not that guy
3: I agree. And I think it's taken a long time of being in the game and to get to where you realize where you're happiest. So I love, you know, I love the game. I love to play the game. I love to spend the hours at the table, but I don't want to do it all in tournament poker, no matter what the stakes. I, you know, for me, a happy life is like 75% cash, 25% tournaments. And that's how I'm happiest. And, you know, I used to always like chase the dream in my head and like having these big tournament scores and it's not really important to me. And I think that I've just kind of matured in the game where I am more realistic about my expectations and what makes me happiest in my life and having poker be a part of that and what ratio. And for me, cash games give you so much freedom and high win rates and all the things that are important to me. And when I first met Kathy, um, Jackie, she never played cash. And I was like, why are you not playing cash? How hard is it to just grind tournaments mentally in every, in every other way? They're just, they're so, they're tough mentally. And uh, to the travel that comes into tournaments. And so now she plays cash
2: and you crush thank a you. cash. Yes, thank you very much for opening my eyes. I needed that.
3: Especially when you work full time, like she needed something more flexible. And when you finally find the mix that works for you, it's it's a very uh, freeing feeling, you know. I never yeah. have the pressure of having to chase tournaments or do any of that. It's just a it's a small part of poker for me, and and I love tournaments in their own way. When when I'm in um, where I feel comfortable, but I I wouldn't want to do it primarily.
1: If I had the yeah. heads-up hustling skills that you have, um, yeah. <laughs> but like I would love. I mean, what I often say about tournaments is I find like I find cash games more interesting. This has started to change um, as I've like studied more and more of like short stack. There's more interesting stuff that I initially gave it credit for, but overall, I think like cash is more interesting. It's certainly in you know, a lower variance, which is which is pretty nice and, and pretty valuable. And if I could get the same people to play me in cash at the same stakes, I would happily do that. Like if you could just grab random players from the main event and have them play in a you know ten thousand dollar cash game, I would happily do that. The tournaments attract people who would not normally play for those stakes, and you know, ultimately that's that's who I want to play with. And I mean, I guess I do feel like part of my edge comes from now that I've been there, you know, played the main event so many times. uh, And, you know, I mentioned, like, I still have my own share of of struggles, but like sort of unique uh, psychological taxation of that tournament. But I do feel like I'm just reciprocally better equipped to deal with it than many other people are. And I do, I guess I do enjoy to some extent, like seeing what that brings out and people are seeing how, People respond to their shift at the Misery Factory. But um, overall, I just feel like the tournaments, uh, they're, they're, they get you games that you couldn't get otherwise or that I couldn't get otherwise anyway.
4: Yeah, so guys don't fall for it and become father for Andrew's, like, you know, <laughs> his, his, uh, his um, predatory nature in this tournament. Don't, don't think he's not going to try to bluff your face off level one. So unless unless you're, willing to, unless you're capable of dealing with that, then this tournament is probably not for you. It is for Andrew. <laughs> so when I say I don't want to play this tournament again, I'm not saying Andrew shouldn't. Andrew should 100% play this tournament. This tournament is designed for people like him, uh, not for people like me.
1: And actually, I need you all to stop encouraging Carlos <laughs> to play because a big part of what makes this tournament fun for me is having Carlos on the rail. And if Carlos decided he was going to play and he wasn't going to rail me anymore, then you know, that has decreased my happiness.
4: Yeah, railing this tournament is way more fun than playing it for me. Like, I I, I, I do love um, railing friends as they go deep in this tournament. Uh, but, you know, I just don't want to... Uh, I don't want to be dealing with all that myself. I'm more, you know, Angela was talking about like finding your sweet spot in poker. For me, it's like, I don't play cash at all. For me, it's a whole line tournaments. And that, because you get so many more shots at the thing that we all want, you know, having that big stack and making final tables, it's a lot easier when you got like, you know, six to 10 tables up at once. Um, So that's my sweet spot as far as live, I'd rather be on Andrew's rail than playing myself.
1: Well, I'm always thrilled to have you there.
4: The rail is a fun
3: place when you have someone there you care about, you know? But there's, I've had some great experiences on
1: rails. The one thing I don't think i will ever get is, is a drunk Carlos on my rail. <laughs>
4: Never. No drunk Carlos and no party hat Carlos. Ever.
1: <laughs> That's
3: okay. We, I, I think we out? can get him in a party hat. I'm pretty convinced we can get him in a party hat.
4: Definitely not happening. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I really appreciate people like Jackie also, because Jackie, when we were talking about the party hat story, Jackie was quick to say, that's okay. Like not everyone has to, you know, uh, succumb to the peer pressure of the crowd. It's like, it's supposed to be a game that's fun. It's enjoy. It, it's supposed to be something that's enjoyable for you. So if you're an extrovert who likes to party hats, you should do that. And if you're an introvert who does it, you shouldn't. And that's okay.
2: I was the only one not chanting. He's also my my kind of friend, like a poker friend. And um, uh, after everyone started chanting, I said, no, guys, he doesn't have to. If he doesn't want to. I was the only one not chanting because I could see like he was, not, <laughs> he, he was not happy that they were calling him out. <laughs>
4: Yeah, one day, one day, you and I are gonna be in a similar situation, and you're gonna see that I'm um, that guy times ten. I would, <laughs> I would really, really, uh, if I'm in that situation, I would really appreciate you saying what you said uh, for him. Everybody else would be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a friend at the table uh, with you. Uh, that's how I found that video. I knew about the party hats because uh, a good friend of mine was at the table with you, and I think he had a hat on. So he was—he um, was definitely not the guy uh, that was like not the hat guy. But um, I think he likes that sort of thing too. Uh, but yeah, he—we haven't talked about this, but I imagine if he and I were reversing uh, roles in that spot and I was at the table, he would probably die laughing at the fact of how uncomfortable that would make. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew and his partner took me out for my birthday once and they tried to get the waitresses to sing happy birthday to me. No,
1: no, no. The, the waitress initiated that. I, I knew yeah, better yeah. than to get a waitress. Okay. To so the birthday. Birthday,
4: yeah, <laughs> so the waitress, I told him, I was like, if this happens, I'm walking out. I'm literally leaving and I think I drove. So I think, I think I'm going to leave you guys if they sing happy birthday to me. That's how like, introverted I am in like public situations with a bunch of strangers. So, yeah, it's definitely not all fun and games for everybody.
3: Oh, yeah. Jackie and I are very introverted, too. Oh, yeah. I'm so shy. Yeah. I we are very <laughs> shy. Yeah. We hate attention or all those things.
4: Yeah, I like I like attention, but attention that I control in my own way. I don't like forced attention.
3: Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe you could be in one of our dancing videos. How do you feel oh.
2: about that?
4: Oh, the camera.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, we need that person.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I I enjoy I enjoy being around those sort of things. Um, but not necessarily uh involved. Like uh, Jackie, when we did the commentary booth, she was kind of like, you know, teasing everybody about these um dance moves she she has. But I don't think everybody. we did. We never got a chance to see it in the booth. I I know she said it was not enough room. Yeah, no.
2: And let's be clear I'm not saying I'm a good dancer. I'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) I like to dance and I don't really care what I look like. Um, People keep sending me that gif of Elaine from Seinfeld doing (laughs) her dance. I think they're they're trying to tell me something, uh, but I do not care at all. That's, That's the secret to dancing don't care. Just do it. There you go. I'm not saying how to dance good. I'm just saying how to dance.
4: Yeah. And that's the best, that's the best way to be like, you know, if you, if you enjoy it, it's gonna, um, uh, people, people will feel that vibe when you're doing it, whether it's like, you know, technically sound or not.
2: (laughs) I have no technical training. I know. Gasp.
4: (laughs) Andrew, you still there?
1: Yeah, I was. I was just going to ask. Uh, I mean, I don't want to come. Having, I'm having a good time. I said we've kept you well beyond uh, the, the hour that I promised you. So I just wanted to uh, give you the chance. If there was anything else you all wanted to, um, any, you know, s- stories that I didn't know enough to ask about or whatever.
3: I don't think so. Can you think of anything,
2: Jackie? We did it. We're done.
1: You're done. Thank you. Thank you all so much. It was even more fun than I hoped it would be. And thank you for <laughs> suggesting this. I mean, I know I've been trying to, um, to to hustle each of you individually to come back to one because, uh, you know, we always we always need more content, but uh, doing this together, I think, was, was a very fun idea.
2: We're better uh, together. Yep, that's true. <laughs> We're like peanut butter and jelly.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for having us.
1: Thank you really all. Take care. Okay,
0: but I it. Feeling feeling to thin and hope some kind of pill or the devotion of a car of the fair passage of a bill and who will sign us into
5: law I
0: know you won't you won't
2: We're wrapping up. I was going to say one thing Mm -hmm. that you can edit out later if it's inappropriate. Okay. Ready? Okay. (laughs) Sleepless nights. Do I need some kind of pill?